0: Hello and welcome to another weekly show, I'm Father Roderick and today is very special because I'm uh, recording this in a semi-quarantine-like situation here in the Netherlands. I'll tell you all about it in this show and of course we'll talk about all the usual things that we have in this show. So sit back, relax and enjoy. Hey there, and welcome back to another weekly show. I'm Father Roderick, and this episode is brought to you, as always, thanks to my patrons who enable me to bring you this without any annoying advertisement. And every week, I welcome a few new patrons to the community, but I also want to thank those of you that have upped their monthly contribution. So this week, I want to welcome Susan to the community. Thank you so much for becoming a patron. But I also want to thank... Tom, who has upped his donation, Um, that is fantastic, thank you so much, and then we have two more new uh, community members, two new patrons, uh, Harry and Bob, thank you so much for your support, and uh, those of you that are helping me out as patrons, you will get another weekly episode that I record just for you, so you get an extra podcast that is unavailable anywhere else, so if you want to listen to that extra podcast and you, or you just want to support me and you have a, uh, a, you want to toss a coin to the witcher <laughs> and that would be me in this case, then uh, by all means go to patreon.com slash Father Roderick. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. Face it, Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. It is time for the news, and yeah, well, there is uh, so much happening. I mean, it's incredible how much can change in one week. Last week when I was recording this, of course, the coronavirus was already uh, a threat to our entire world, Uh, but back then it wasn't even uh, called uh, a pandemic, even though it already showed signs that it would become a pandemic, but I never expected it to go this fast. Look at where we are right now. It's it's even possible that by the time that you're listening to this, the situation has worsened even more. Of course, the virus has uh, really got a hold of the entirety of of Europe. In my country, we have more than 500 people that are uh, well. Actually, I think it's it's more than 800 people now that are infected. We have a couple of people that died, but it's nothing compared to uh, the situation, for instance, in Italy, where uh, I think just yesterday, I'm recording this on Friday, but yesterday they had an increase of two and a half thousand new infections. They have already more than a thousand people that died. The situation is very, very dire. The entire country is in lockdown. And um, I'm following uh, a couple of my friends that live in Rome and in other parts of Italy. Some of you live in Italy. And the situation is really frightening, especially because of this Well, the effect that there are too many people that get sick even though it is still relatively small percentage of the people that get infected that are in life-threatening conditions but the total amount is so big that now in hospitals they're already having to make choices between life and death uh, linked to the age of people so older people will get taken off the ventilator and then that equipment can be used for younger people it's It's just the kind of situation that you never want to be in. That is why it's so important that in the rest of the world we try to kind of slow down uh, the situation. It's not possible to to totally eradicate the the virus just yet. Um, but we can slow down the spread of the infection so that um, our hospitals won't get in this crisis situation where they can't handle the influx of, of, of seriously ill people anymore. So that's something that we all have to work at. Um, one thing that we've learned from Italy is that drastic measures are necessary, and uh, we have to do that together. So there is a lot of Talking happening right now between the different countries in Europe so that we can all, you know, try to find the best things to do so that not you don't get that situation where one country is a bit more lax and more. Oh, well, we'll see. And then the other country becomes a a victim of that, of that, uh, you know, different, different approach. So I'm really, really hoping that we get this thing under control, but the situation is changing by the minute. Uh, just this morning, I received uh, an email from my bishop, and uh, so have everyone as everyone else in the Catholic Church here in my country that from now on until the end of March, for now, all masses during the weekends will be suspended, will be eliminated. People will not be able to go to mass which of course has a huge, huge impact on our Catholic lives. We live from the Eucharist. It is, our, it is the heart of what we, of what we are, um, and it is the source of healing, the source of energy. So uh, the fact that we can't have Mass during the weekends is a huge deprivation and, a, and, and causes a lot of spiritual suffering. But it's not the end of the world of course. We, we should never forget that God has so many different ways in which he can be close to us and he will not abandon us just because we can't go to mass during the weekends. The difference between my country and for instance Italy is that uh, in Italy and in some other countries in Europe they have suspended all masses. There are no masses whatsoever. Um, uh, and in Rome for at least for one day they closed all the churches completely. You couldn't enter a church anymore. They've now reopen some of the churches. Here in the Netherlands, the bishops have said uh, mass during weekdays that can for now stay as it, as it is because, well, those masses usually attract very few people. But our government has said any event that attracts more than a 100 people is forbidden. And so that is why our Sunday mass had to be canceled because, well, in my parish, I usually have around 100 sometimes 200 people and it's very unpredictable so better better be safe than sorry um i'll get back to this whole situation later on in the segment of the peculiar bunch but um it is it's something that i have never experienced in my life and nor has anyone else by the way as i'm not <laughs> telling you anything new um but it is it is also i mean it's a little bit surreal and at the same time it 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 Motivates us to be more creative, and so I've been uh, talking uh, this morning with a couple of my parishioners, and we're trying uh, to find ways in which we can still join people for Sunday mass during the weekend, but using um, the internet. Like I'm streaming um, the the shows that I record via via Facebook, via YouTube. Uh, I'm I've I've got some experience with streaming. And so this morning I've been setting up things here in the sunroom where I'm recording this. That is, why, by the way, why the audio is a bit different from what you expect. I'm not in the studio. I'm here in the rectory. This is the nicest room with the most light. The rest of the house is a little bit uh, dark because it's a 100-year-old it's a rectory. But this room, I'm surrounded by windows. And when the sun is shining in the morning, this is actually the nicest place to be. Uh, but, of course, there's a little bit more echo and uh, that is, uh, but but this is a great situation for me to kind of test out some some equipment, some some uh, some ideas, so that maybe we can bring this to the church, which is well just next door here. And even though parishioners won't be able to attend, we can still celebrate mass and pray for the parishioners, and they could join us um, through through the internet live, and they can pray with us. And of course, we won't be able to distribute communion. But there is also something in the Catholic Church called spiritual communion. So there's a, there a way to spiritually unite yourself with the sacrifice that is celebrated during Mass. So the, it is a bit challenging because technically it has a there are quite a few things that we still need to put in place. But it, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm very motivated to see what we can figure out. And I think this is happening also in a lot of workplaces where all of a sudden people discover, well, hey, it's actually, there are many more creative ways in which we can work, and we can t- continue to work, um, even though we have to stay at home. Uh, so maybe this will also help kind of propel this technological revolution uh, of, of working, of distance, distance learning, distance working. And of course, that it's limited to a certain number of uh, types of work. You can't do that if, you're, if you need to build a house or a road or you work in a factory. Then, of course, you can't do that at a distance, you have to go to work. But um, there is much more that is possible than than I think we realized before. Anyway, it is time to move over to our first segment of the show and that is the world of movies and TV shows. (laughs) How do you not like movies? They're predictable, like the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine, I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movie vacation I'm going to give it to you. Well, since we all have to stay home as much as possible, uh, this is a good time to read more and to play video games and to play board games and talk and cook. And, well, there's so many things that you can do. Um, And hopefully this segment can give you some tips on stuff you might want to check out on one of our streaming platforms. And uh, in my case, I'm I'm super glad that we have so much choice nowadays. I won't get easily bored, even though this weekend I have to stay at home. It's so weird, so surreal that I I won't celebrate mass in the parishes. It's crazy. I was so used to, you know, Jumping in my car and driving around, we've got 15 churches right now, with a couple of priests. Um, and for the next three weeks and maybe much longer, um, that won't be the case. But of course, I've got a TV and I've got a lot of stuff that I need to catch up catch up on. So um, currently, I'm I'm watching like the, yesterday when the news broke that um, uh, the our government was increasing the 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 rules and regulations to. Prevent Corona from spreading. Um, I, I was I'd been following the news for several hours, and I was just like, "Oh, I need to distract myself. I wanna I wanna laugh." And so I'm so thankful that recently, um, I think it is Amazon Prime in the Netherlands that has uh, currently features The Big Bang Theory, um, and so I've been continuing to watch some of those episodes in there. So. Funny, I just love, love, love that series. Um, and there was one episode in which that uh, was very kind of topical, um, where uh, Sheldon, uh, Sheldon Cooper, who is kind of the, the the social glue that binds his friends together, but he's also extremely nerdy and weird. Uh, he's got this. Phobia of of getting infected, and so whenever someone sneezes, he's about to kind of run away and disinfect. And it, it was so funny because a lot, you know, when when I first watched that episode and I'd already seen it, I was like, wow, that is so over the top. Whereas now, that is exactly how everyone behaves. Like I was getting my groceries at the supermarket, and somebody sneezed, and you could literally see people. Taking their distances, they were like they were literally taking another uh, uh, itinerary through the store so that they wouldn't get close to that lady that sneezed. And you know, it's like, wow, who could have thought that that Sheldon's behavior would become the norm? I hope it's not the case with a lot of his other quirks. But for that, for you know, staying germ-free, he definitely set the tone. It was a little bit prophetic, I think. <laughs> I've also um, watched um, the finale of another series that has made me laugh like almost no other series. Maybe the only series that gets close is The Office. um, And this is Parks and Recreation. Um, I initially heard about Parks and Recreation from uh, Mac and Catherine, two Catholic podcasters that are uh, very funny and they insert these little clips in their show and they, so they always had these quotes, and I couldn't really tell what, what it was from. They would say it's from Parks and Rec, and I had no idea what that was, because it. Well, we didn't have the the series on Dutch TV. Uh, it wasn't available on streaming platforms, so I never checked it out. But now it's available on also on on Amazon Prime here, and so I've been working my way through all the seasons. And oh my goodness, it's so. Funny and it, it has so much heart. In a certain way, it has more heart, I think, than The Office. The Office can be a little bit edgy, a little bit cynical maybe sometimes. But it, it, it changes over time. I mean, the last season of The Office was very warm and made me tear up. And you, you start to really love everyone who's, who's a part of that you know, group of people. And the same happened with Parks and Rec. So I was wondering how they would wrap it up. And the final season wasn't the best. It kind of goes uh, forward in time a couple. I think even by when it aired, it was supposed to be the future. So everybody has these holographic uh, cell phones and stuff. And it wasn't really very strong. It felt a little bit out of place, out of character sometimes, even for certain certain people on the show, but they totally redeemed themselves in the final few episodes of the series. And so in the last episode, the finale, I won't spoil the details, but they they show you some flash forwards. What will these characters end up like in the future? And they're I think they flash forward to like the year 2023, <laughs> which is like just around the corner. But that was such a satisfying way to wrap up the, the storylines because you, you get to see... And, and it wasn't just a funny flash-forward, just a few little um, uh, moments. But a lot of these flash-forwards were separate story arcs and they had heart and it was just great. And there were so many touching moments and they really went overboard to also kind of leave the, the set so to go and film outdoors and that, that just completely opened up the, the entire story and knowing that all these characters will do fine in the future um, is, I think, it's a perfect way to wrap things up. So I was very, very happy with the way that that show ended. Um, I also watched the final episode of a ser- much more recent series that has also, I think, a lot of the, you know, quality humor wise. Uh, as had uh, Parks and Rec and The Office. And that is The Good Place. Of course, the the premise of The Good Place, I've talked about that show many times, and you may know it very well, is about the afterlife. People die, and at first they don't even realize they're dead, and then they end up in this world that at first looks a little bit like, um, what is that kind of that world section of, of Disney World where they created these small, you know, like you're in Italy and then you walk a couple of miles and then you're all of a sudden in France. They've got a mini Eiffel Tower and Disney uh, has a, you know, kind of wants to give people the experience of being on a world journey without the costs. And of course, everything is super cliche. Um, I remember walking around there, this is years ago with uh, Deborah and uh, some other friends and i was just laughing because everything is like the disneyfied version of europe <laughs> so it is but i mean it, it's so it's a little bit artificial and at the same time you do feel like you're you know there are there are definitely elements that give you the impression that you're in in a different country um and so at first they're they're in this really nice town and and then weird things start to happen and they realize that they're actually I think, being tortured, or at least it's the plan to torture them. So they are they think they're in heaven, but it's not heaven. This is like a test. You could say it's like between hell and heaven. So in Catholic terms, it would be purgatory. But there is there's a lot of... They have to go through tests, and that will determine whether they will actually end up in the good place or they will go to the bad place. And the bad place is, you know, the most horrific suffering that you can imagine. Uh, but it's done... I think very intelligently. So there are a lot of different um, philosophies and worldviews that they integrate. There's a, there's an educational aspect of the show that I really appreciate it, and because you see all these different uh, uh, schools of thought being being practiced in a certain way, so they try out you know pl- pl- uh, the Plato's philosophy. They try to act like I don't know. Uh, Sartre, whatever, and then say so Nietzsche. Uh, so you see all these limitations also of, of these different philosophies. Um, and, and I was surprised that they were able to maintain that, that, that plot device for so many seasons. Um, I thought, after one season, you know, that's how, how much can you, can you do with that premise? Well, it turns out they, they could really do a, a long, uh, I think it's about five seasons or something like that. Uh, and, and good quality. And uh, so, the, of course, the big question for me was, how are you going to wrap this up? Because this is supposed to be the afterlife, which is eternal, right? So how are you going to end a storyline that is supposed to be eternal? Are you just going to say, well, we'll just wave at the camera and then we'll live long, uh, forever and ever? Or are they going to do something different? Well, it turns out they do, did something differently, and even though a lot of critics loved it, I personally was a little bit disappointed by the way they ended it. Or maybe not. Maybe it's, it's a, that's not the right way to put it. I thought it was maybe the only way in which they could end the story. But if the afterlife would end like that, I would be very dissatisfied. So to me, it showed. So basically, how am I going to put this? I don't want to spoil it too much. But you you start to realize in the final few seasons that, you know, living forever, if life is just like life on Earth in a certain way, and our relationships are the way they are on Earth, and there is no God, because that's the only thing that is missing in the afterlife version of the the good place. So you've got demons, you've got angels or something that kind of resembles them, but you don't have God. So if it's just a copy of our life here on Earth, then that starts to become a little bit pointless. And that's also what they used in the series finale. It's like when you play out all the scenarios, and even if you have a couple of thousand years for that, at one point you're going to tell yourself, well, so that was it. You know, What else is there to experience or to do? And it becomes meaningless. And that is kind of what... I thought was what the, the I mean they well, I'm not gonna I can't spoil it, but I was like this this shows the limitations of our imagination and or also our ability to comprehend what the what eternal life actually is. And if you have to think eternal life without the mystery of God, which is always new, always bigger than you, always deeper, there is no end to God's creativity, to his love. So there will be always something new to discover that is like god is endless uh, imagine if you were um i don't know an astronomer or a, uh an astronaut and you would have eternal life and you you would have a, i don't know a spaceship like the enterprise you could go on and on and on for thousands and tens of thousands of years discovering new planets and new species and civilizations but there is no end because the universe, the galaxy, is, has no end. And so it's, I mean, it's something that we can hardly imagine because everything in our life is finite, including our own life. It's finite. And that is what gives a meaning to everything we do. There is an end. So it, it matters what you do right now. Um, but if there is always something new to explore and something that you can mean to someone else... You know, that's kind of what love, love never bores, if it's correct, because love is a mystery. Your job, you can get fed up with your job. You can fed up with a lot, even, you know, TV series. (laughs) At one point, you're like, okay, end it already. Even if it's great, like parks and recreations and the office, it's it's a good idea to always end a good story. Preferably when you're at the top of, you know, the of the series instead of after a long decline. Um, but with love, I think that many of us have that experience that the more you get to know someone, the more you discover that you don't know that person. And there's always something new to discover. And, and that is just human love, let alone God's eternal love that is without end, without it has so much depth that you will never get to the point in eternal life where you're like, okay, so I've done everything there is to do. Uh, and I'm still stuck here for eternity, that's going to be a long, boring time, you know? That is not going to happen, because God is there. And and that is exactly what I think is the flaw of this kind of humanized concept of heaven as as portrayed in The Good Place. Um, it is pointless, because you don't have that that eternal mystery of God who is able to surpass what you are. And so if it's just if heaven would be just us living forever in a world that kind of resembles our current life that is kind of how we represent heaven in our minds right that's we always think about something that at least feels familiar um like a, like an upgraded version of our reality but that's that's just our because we don't have the categories we don't have the intellect to imagine something much bigger and much deeper um But if it's just us for eternity, then I don't think heaven is going to be heaven, it's going to be hell. (laughs) We're going to get so bored and it's going to be punishment to stay there forever and ever. So anyway, that was uh, why I thought. But, But it's the quality of the series that it actually shows that. And there is something else for the people that are in the good place. And they don't tell you what. So... It's, it's at that point that you realize, well, wait a minute. The, so what they have portrayed as the afterlife is actually just a mirror of our current life. And there has to be, even in that fict- fictitious story, there has to be something more. There has to be something else, something you can't portray. And you can't tell a story about it because it totally surpasses our imagination. So anyway, it's great that a television series, primetime television series, uh, has us think about these issues. Um, and I think it's up to maybe religious people to continue the conversation beyond the series all right what else have I watched Um, so I was very happy that Amazon has now started in the Netherlands for real we were just using like a translated version of the German website it also means they brought Amazon Prime to the Netherlands we were using the German service before and in order to lure a lot of people into subscribing to Amazon Prime. They lowered the price and they added a lot of cool movies, uh, m- many more movies than than they've done in the past year and a half that I've been a member. So there's some good stuff on there. And um, also some movies that I hadn't seen, but this one that I wanted to mention here is actually, I think, on, on Netflix. I'm not sure. I'm getting confused. It is Mission Impossible Fallout, which was, I think, the most recent version or at least the least the most recent part of Mission Impossible and I kind of enjoy that kind of it's popcorn entertainment. Um but this movie I was like a bit mm, yeah, probably time to wrap the series up. It didn't it didn't work anymore. It was so predictable and so like oh yes, they've done that so many times before. It didn't really work for me anymore. Maybe I'm just getting a little bit uh, too spoiled. So anyway, um, I still finished it, but yeah, not a movie I'll, I'll watch again. I've been watching a few more episodes of the series Pandemic. It's a very topical. It's on Netflix, and it's it's a good documentary. Um, gives you a lot of insight on you know the way a pandemic can develop and what also what the world has in terms of science and inventivity to face a threat like that when they were filming this documentary series, they never knew how quickly that would become, you know, the, the reality in which we currently are. They're still talking about SARS and MERS and, you know, the, like the smaller um, epidemics that we've seen in the past. And they speculate, you know, what if this would go global? What if this were to be a pandemic? How ready are we? And so in that respect, it's kind of, ...scary to watch it because you see also the flaws in the system... ...and how little we are actually prepared to face what we're currently facing. Um, Let's see. There's one more thing that I'm uh, wrapping up right now. It's uh, Game of Thrones, uh, the final season. Um, And I'm sure I'm not spoiling too much when I say there is this threat beyond the wall. So this is about this fictitious um, world where there's this huge ice wall that is protecting the south from whatever is up north. And it's basically frozen zombies. That's kind of... And these zombies can take over any life form. And so it's a bit like a medieval version of the Borg. You know, once you die, you'll become part of this huge army of the White Walkers. And... While I was watching this, so in the final season, this, there's this in the middle of the season, there's this big battle between the the, the the Army of the Dead and the Army of the Living. And before that, the countries and the different kingdoms had been fighting against each other because every, everybody wants to rule the rest of the world. But then this common enemy, this common threat, unites the people and the kingdoms of the South because this is no longer a question of power. Or money, or wealth, or whatever, but it's about life and death. It's either you join each other, you join together and you fight this common enemy, or you all die. And so it's uh, when I was watching that, I was like, "Wow, this is like a metaphor of, of this pandemic. This is the world versus the coronavirus. This is totally it." We, you know, before this whole situation, before this pandemic, we. And I'm, I'm not saying that that we're cured of that, but we have a tendency to focus only on our own country and our own. Uh, we think that we can do it alone. So isolationism, uh, nationalism uh, can have a very, I think. Uh, unrealistic side where at, you may think, especially if you live in a big wealthy wealthy country, you may think that, well, we don't need the rest of the world. We can do it ourselves. And then all of a sudden you discover that you actually really need each other, if only to, you know, uh, communicate how we're going to deal with this common enemy. And a lot of the things that we worried about or that we fought about in the past kind of fall away. And I think I think that that may be one of the upsides of the situation that is intrinsically bad, of course, but it can have some positive effects that we realize all of a sudden that we really, as a as a as mankind, we're not that different. It doesn't really matter which country you come from or which president you voted for. The virus doesn't care. So it's mankind versus the virus right now. And that means that a lot of these things that normally oppose us, that cause this polarization, whether it's in the church or in politics or in the economy, become much less relevant, much less important. And, and that's something that, uh, it's, it's good that we realize that. And I hope we remember that when this whole thing is, is over. And in many ways, Game of Thrones is, maybe that's one of the reasons why it was so successful, because a lot of the stuff, even the very gruesome, bad, evil, egotistic stuff that is portrayed, I mean, it's not a very moral world, let's be honest. But it, it is a very dirty mirror of how we are treating each other in the world. And it also shows the destructive side of, the, of, of that behavior and the lack of morality. And there are only a few people in the series that you can root for, and even they are much more gray than white. Um, but uh, most of the people that are, you know, whose stories are told are are leading reprehensible lives. But the quality of the story is that it also shows you how much harm that can do. And so there have been many times when I was watching Game of Thrones that I was just, I found it repulsive. I was like, but... but I couldn't just blame the story, because the story is a reflection, I think, of what's going on in the world. And so, in that respect, it is also something that made me think uh, about, so, okay, well, what choices do we make as a society, as a culture? Anyway, those are my thoughts here for the uh, segment about movies and TV shows. It is time to visit the Peculiar Bunch. (laughs) Catholics rock! Here the Peculiar Munch, we're always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics and Christians and their weird traditions, but you were afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No oh, meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? And today I want to talk a little bit more about the implications of, of this coronavirus and how faith uh, relates to all this. Man. Guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Videos. So, since I'm one of those priests that is pretty active on social media, I do get a lot of questions and sometimes also criticism uh, about the corona situation. Especially when I repost some of the instructions. Uh, that I get as a priest from my bishop, who says, "Well, no more masses on Sunday. You got to close the churches." And when I was reposting uh, about the situation in in Italy, a lot of people get upset about that. It's like, "Well, how can you close churches in these dire times? Isn't that a lack of faith? Isn't that robbing people from the source of their salvation, the strength that they need in these difficult times?" And so. Some of these people suggest that there is a contrast between faith, on the one hand, and you know, trying to be responsible and and logical uh, ways in which you have to deal with a, a situation like this, and and so I saw some some flame wars almost from, from, from some Christians that were like well this is a scandal the, where is our faith in the past and then they come with these examples from the middle ages when during the plague bishops would go through the streets in procession with the holy sacrament etc etc and of course I mean that's very well intentioned but I believe that you have to always look at both sides of the story um, of course we are invited in these times to rely on God's help to pray for each other but we also have a responsibility to use our, our intellect, our mind, our knowledge, our scientific knowledge about how this disease spreads and the risks. And we have to take that into account. You cannot just um, kind of throw it up in the air and say, well, hey, God, you'll have to kind of protect us while we do these religious things um, because faith. That's not how faith works. That is not how faith works, really not. Um, we're, uh, I think, in a, in, a, in a different world from previous times. We live in this global economy where people can travel very quickly, where we have so much social interaction that a disease like this can spread much, much faster than in, in the previous centuries. So I don't think that historical uh, examples... Can can be you know just apply to this current situation. The world has changed. We there weren't any airplanes and cars in the Middle Ages. So um, and you can tell that if you study the spread of these viruses in, in in earlier centuries, it's much slower because the world was much less mobile. There was much less you know social interaction in a certain way, and there of course there was social interaction, but it was limited to smaller smaller uh, groups of people and smaller villages, etc. So um, that is the first thing that I want to say. But also, you know, God has given us science so that we know what to do and we know what, is, what, what the risks are and we know how to best protect each other and help each other. Um, there are, I mean, if faith was the only thing that we need to take into account when taking decisions... Um, we would all die. (laughs) Seriously. I mean, you can't, it's, it's not like, well, Hey, I'm going to cross the road. I'm not going to look at the traffic lights because that would be a lack of faith. You know, I'm just going to close my eyes, pray the rosary and then you're dead, right? Everybody understands that. Well, with, with the virus, it's the same. God doesn't want us to be irresponsible, but what God of course wants is that we strengthen each other in faith. But if we think that our faith depends on the ability to go into a church to pray or that we have a right to receive the Eucharist and there has to be mass during the weekends, even though that is a very risky endeavor, you know, with big communities and in, in our situation, most of my parishioners are elderly people, sometimes at a high elevated age, 80, 80 plus. If we, if we, If we don't, uh, well, if we think that that, that, that's the only way to be a Catholic is by having Mass and, and being able to enter a church, then we are people of little faith. Seriously, how can we put limits to how God can be close to us in these times? I'll give you one example from Catholic liturgy and spirituality that kind of counterbalances this idea that, well, we need, well, if you close the doors of the churches and we can't have mass, then we're all doomed. And that's the concept of spiritual communion. This has always been part of uh, of our tradition in the Catholic Church, and that is if you, for whatever reason, are unable to receive communion. Say, for instance, you are allergic, hyperallergic to gluten, and even though we have, you know, almost gluten-free hosts or always have to be has to be a little bit of gluten in it but some people can't really take communion in the form of bread because of you know their allergies um, and and if there, there then there's also the option to take communion um, in with the by drinking the consecrated wine but let's say that it's not possible for medical reasons for you to receive communion there is still the ability for you to receive the same grace, the same benefits from real communion in the form of spiritual communion. That is, if you are there, you open your heart and you want to meet Jesus in the Eucharist, even though physically you can't receive communion, you will receive the same grace. You will, you will, he will still be in you. Because God, is, God wants to work through the sacraments, but he's not bound to the sacraments. It's not a... Uh, it's not one road that God needs to take. Who are we to limit God in His abilities? Um, so spiritual communion for me is a clear sign that we shouldn't underestimate the ways in which God will stay close to us. And another thing that I I, I, I want to mention here is um, if 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 the Let's say if faith, if if the strength of our faith, if the protection, if God protection would depend on whether our churches are open or closed, what kind of a God is that who is dependent on us opening or closing doors? Of course that is not the case. God has been, and you know, maybe it's also because it's, it's an, I, I'm sure that the intention is positive. Like people really want to express their love for the Eucharist and want to be in the church and helps them pray. So that's all good. I understand that. But we should maybe open up our minds and open up our hearts and think of, of the bigger picture. There are many countries in the world where Catholics thrive without having access to the sacraments. Think of the most recent synod about the Amazon region, where one of the major pastoral concerns that uh, the church fathers and participants were taught, were, were reflecting upon, was the lack of, of priests in the region. It's such a huge region, and people live in, in so many remote places, and there are so few missionary priests, that many Catholics there can only... Receive the sacraments once or twice a year, and that's it. But they're still alive. I mean, they, they. I'm. I'm sure that where there is this physical lack of the Eucharist and sacraments, God will just maybe even increase the amount of grace and creativity that He has to to join people. I, another example is China. When I traveled to China, I saw with my own eyes how much repressed the church is there, and. Not much has changed since I visited there. Um, in some places, the priest would get abducted, would be put in prison for months sometimes, would completely disappear, leaving these parishes in disarray. And yet, I've seldom seen a Catholic church that was so devout, so committed, so unified, even though their churches often were closed by the government, their priests were taken away from them, that they wouldn't have access to the sacraments, but they would always be able to pray together and to pray for each other. And so I'm thinking what happens right now, instead of of being too fearful and to panic, we should not panic, we should never panic, we should see this as a test of our faith and our trust in God that he will find a way. Um, There is a real possibility, and I'm saying this now so that later on I can say, told you so, there's a very real possibility, in my opinion, that Easter and Holy Week will not be celebrated by most Catholics right now. Um, In Italy, they've said that this current quarantine time is uh, until the end of the month. And then at the end of the month, the 5th of April is, is Palm Sunday, which happens to be my birthday, yay! But um, by that time, of course, the situation will not be over. The virus will still be there, and there will still be you know the same risk of infection. So, what do you think will happen? Then all of a sudden, Pope Francis will say, "Well, okay, we've been we've been trying this for three weeks now. Um, yeah, the virus is not gone, but just let's go and have a nice Easter vigil where people are you know like we've got tens ten thousand people in St." Saint- peter's basilica and we'll we'll sprinkle holy water and we'll hand out the the light on our candles and then no of course not that would be just as dangerous as doing that right now so i'm thinking that it is a real possibility and try to prepare yourself mentally for that and spiritually for that 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 churches will be closed or that we will only have a few very small celebrations where people have to, you know, stay apart from each other. And we can't, we can't celebrate a hundred masses over Holy Week and Easter in order to give everyone the ability to attend. So I'm thinking it is very likely that this will be an Easter and a Holy Week like none other before. And that many of us will not be able to celebrate Easter the way you're used to. So this is going to be, uh, I mean, this is something that we no one of us has ever encountered, but it shouldn't make us panic. The world will continue to turn around the sun, even if for some reason we can't celebrate Easter like we have been doing for hundreds of years. Not thousands of years, um, but maybe something else will will happen. Maybe I don't know. Maybe the Pope will say, "Well, hey, we'll just postpone the celebration of Easter to August," or I don't know. We'll we'll just hop a year. Jesus is already risen from the dead, you know, and he is still he is already with us. What can seriously happen? The only thing that that Changes is that, well, we can't celebrate it, but at least not in church. Does it mean that all of a sudden, like, Easter is broken? Well, of course not. Of course not. But this is a time where we have to ask for discernment and we have to talk to each other and think about this creatively. There are so many things that we can do, but let's look at the things that are necessary now and urgent and let's not try to behave too much as like, but 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 I just want things to be like they were. Well, they're not. Well let's look at the bright side. Let's take a look at what is possible and let's always separate between was oh, this is one television presenter who was is actually ending his very super popular uh talk show on on Dutch television after many many years. I think he's been doing this for 10 years now. And so these are the final two weeks of his show. And he had imagined you know this this glorious exit of the television stage. And now he has to record his shows without public, without an audience because it's too dangerous. And so uh, there was this the first time that they were airing or taping the show in an empty studio, one of his guests said, well, isn't this, isn't this a, you know, the worst possible scenario? Isn't this terrible for you? You, you? you really wanted to have such a, you know, good farewell, you know, uh, uh, time, and now nobody's here. And, and he said something that I totally wholeheartedly agree with. He said there are things that are terrible and there are things that are just a shame and the, and the fact that i don't have an audience right now here and that we're alone in this empty studio well that's too bad you know it's a shame but it's not terrible it's not a disaster the real disaster is what's happening right now in the in the world and all these people in disarray and and our world you know panicking and people dying that is that's a disaster this is just a shame um and and i was like wow that is That's very profound and that's the attitude that I want to have uh, and that I hope we can all have in in these times. There's this beautiful other example of how to deal with situations that are, you know, difficult and difficult times. It's what's going to happen tonight in Italy. So there is this common plan that is spreading all over the social media that the Italians will go to their balcony because many of them are literally living in quarantine. They cannot leave their houses anymore. They're all going to stand on the balcony at 8 o'clock tonight and they're going to sing the national anthem all together. I was like, wow. (laughs) That is so cool. What if, if if we can't celebrate Easter, you know, what would... I mean, what a, what a witness would it be if all Catholics would would uh, open their window on Easter, you know, in the middle of uh, the Easter Vigil or where normally you'd be in church and we would all sing the tedeum or whatever song. I don't know, just like, or all pray the Our Father at eight o'clock at night or I don't know, midnight. There are so many ways in which you can strengthen each other's faith. Uh, so let's look at, possibilities like that and I'm sure that we will see many surprising things happen in the next couple of weeks and months Um, and you you'll ask yourself where, where does this come from well it's just the holy spirit who inspires us to deal with the situation and to come up with things that we never thought of before that's what I think when did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics last night the packet the extraction theory papers am I the only one who did the reading All right, this is also the time for reading, of course. If you're bored, pick up a book. Don't always switch on the TV, but also try to use your brain. Books, as I've mentioned in one of the previous episodes, very, very good for your brain. Um, Here's a tip. I'm reading currently a book by uh, one of my, uh, well, it's not a favorite actor, but I like his books Um, uh, because it's easy to read, and I don't know, there's a certain television quality to it. Um, I'm talking about Blake Crouch, who is the author of the Wayward Pines trilogy, uh, three books that have also been turned into a TV show. That I was mesmerized with. This is one of the coolest science fiction um, dystopian future f- books that I've uh, that I've read in the past few years. I really enjoyed books. Loved the t- television series as well. But he also wrote a book called Recursion. It was on sale the other day on the Amazon Kindle store in the U.S., and I was reading this description. I was like, okay, I need to read this right now. So I'll just read the, uh, the description here. Reality is broken. Oh, I'll try to do this uh, in a filmic way. Reality is broken. At first, it looks like a disease, an epidemic that spreads through no known means, driving its victims mad with memories of a life they never lived. But the force that's sweeping the world is no pathogen. It's just a first shockwave unleashed by a stunning discovery. And what's in jeopardy is not our minds, but the very fabric of time itself. Okay, you got me. When you're talking about the fabric of time itself, I need to read it. Because, I don't know, time, time travel, stuff like that. I love it. In New York City, Detective Barry Sutton is closing in on the truth. And in a remote laboratory, neuroscientist Helena Smith is unaware that she alone holds the key to this mystery and the tools for fighting back. Together, Barry and Helena will have to confront their enemy before they and the world are trapped in a loop of ever-growing chaos. (laughs) I love that. I'll let you know next week. What the book? Uh, if the book is as good as its description, but I uh, call me intrigued. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, "Hey, I see you plugged in a new device, and it's going to load in the appropriate drivers." You'll notice that this scanner built. Whoa. It'll... Well, all your technology stuff just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. It's time for our final segment, and that is about technology. Um, it's also something that is very topical right now in this time, where we cannot have people in the churches for mass uh, in many places. So we need to come up with technical means to bring the church, to bring the Eucharist and bring the liturgy to our parishioners, and so. Uh, I've received quite a few questions of some of you that asked me, for, how do you do that? Because I'm not too technical. I mean, I know how to listen to a podcast and I know how to watch YouTube, but I don't really know how to set up uh, a live stream. Well, let me just give you a few pointers as to how I'm doing this. I'm currently using uh, a Mac. Uh, it's a very you know, modest MacBook, a small one. Um, and I'm using software that's called Ecamm Live, so that's E-C-A-M-M-Live it's currently a subscription model it's very very feasible price wise, and uh, what Ecamm Live does it, it gives you the ability to stream straight to YouTube, Facebook and I think there's even but it depends on the subscription, there's even a way to stream to multiple platforms at once although I've never tried that out, that's a little bit tricky. This software is I for me it's the best st- streaming software that I've used on a Mac and even easier much easier than uh, OBS so OBS if you type that in OBS streaming software that's free uh, software that you can download is very common used a lot by youtubers uh, gamers etc to stream I use it on my PC to stream my video games on my YouTube channel um and OBS is also available for the Mac, and um, OBS itself is is tricky to set up. I mean, it's 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 really powerful, and it can do everything that Ecamm also does. But Ecamm makes it so much easier. Um, so I'm really happy with Ecamm. Uh, it, it has also a couple of um, uh, abilities to for instance, display on the screen of your computer the comments that people type in. And it doesn't really matter if you're streaming this to YouTube or to Facebook. The software will just look at the comments and will display them in real time. And what you can even do, if you want to do it really fancy, is to uh, display those comments on screen. So imagine if you're praying together. I don't know, you do like a live stream of the rosary and you want people to be able to... uh, uh, add intentions to or, or submit intentions to, to the rest of the group then you can just select the comment that you want to display and click on it and boom it will be on screen. Stuff like that. It works with webcams, it works with USB cameras as well and what I personally love about Ecamm and I think OBS is also able to do that right now, is that if you have Canon cameras, most of these DSLRs are recognized by the software and even though formally the canon cameras don't usually don't have what they call clean hdmi which means you can you can bring in the video signal without uh, menu elements like for instance if i would use the hdmi out of my canon m50 you would still see the square around my face that is you know the face facial recognition to you know make sure that it's in focus, um, etc. But if you connect the Canon via USB, this software can give you a clean HD uh, feed from that camera. And I'm actually using two cameras here, which is amazing. I mean, I can't believe I'm doing this on on a six- or seven-year-old Mac. But I can switch between a close-up camera, so I'm using the Canon 80D, which has a zoom lens, so that is the kind of the close-up picture, and then uh, if I tap the uh, another key, it will switch to a wide-angle, the wide-angle lens of my Canon M50, and then you can see the entire table at which I'm sitting here. And just the ability to do that flawlessly um, is, I think, one of the major strengths, and it is, as, it's really plug-and-play. That's what I love about it. I'm... I'm uh, using a lavalier microphone to to bring the audio into the Mac so that's another thing that you can do Uh, separate video separate audio so you can use really good quality microphones Um, and uh, it's just the ease of use makes me come back to this software time and again so it's really really enjoyable OBS something else that I can recommend in case you have a laptop with Windows um, there are also some, um, some other, you know, some helping some, some services there is, you know, for OBS, I'm trying to uh, remember what it was called it's OBS uh, streaming software Streamlabs. I think it's streamlabs. Let me double check that here for you. Yeah. So if you go to streamlabs.com you will be able to download some, some software um, that is very powerful. It has a lot of uh, bells and whistles that you have to pay for, but let's say the main service is free. And it, it has helped me set up OBS um, uh, on, on for you know, streaming my games. Uh, and it was a lot easier than, the, 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 like, let's say, the core OBS program. So it's a bit of a shell built around the open source OBS software. It's called Streamlabs.com. One of the advantages is Streamlabs also gives you a lot of tutorials that are really good quality. Again, it's a little bit more difficult to set up, but it is almost as powerful as what Ecamm can do. So for those of you that are Mac-deprived, that may be a very good solution as well. And then um, another thing that you need, of course, is a tripod for your, uh, for your cameras. Um, well, there are many of those available. Um, I have a Roli, Roli um, uh, tripod. Actually, I bought two and I'm super happy with them. They're carbon fiber, so they weigh almost nothing and they're very affordable. I'm trying to see which types I have. So, Roli uh, is R O L L E I, And uh, let me see these are um, travel tripods and uh, I use them all the time I take them to Rome Um, so I've got the currently the one that I'm using here in in at home is the the C6 I carbon tripod no wait that can't be because this is 299 it wasn't that expensive Uh, maybe there was something with the six Oh, there you go. It's the Rollei C6i. And this is the aluminium. They've got an aluminium version, or aluminium, and a carbon version. And for my travels, I have the Rollei C5i. It's a little bit smaller, um, but that one uh, folds up even to an even even smaller package um, that is light enough to take with me on a plane in my... Uh, carry-on luggage so I, I can really recommend those two foldable tripods um, much easier to handle than you know the bigger professional ones uh, and then of course if you want to go really low budget you can always use your phone uh, It's you just download the YouTube app or you download the Facebook app and from there you can automatically stream with your phone make sure of course that you've got a good Selfie camera. A lot of the older phones have very mediocre selfie cameras. You want to use a selfie camera for that because it's you know easier to check if you're in you know if 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 the image is good. Make sure you don't make the mistake of looking at the screen. That is a very common mistake that I see with people that use their phone for vlogging or for streaming. That you they look at themselves as if they're looking in the mirror. But always make sure you know where the camera hole is on your phone on the front screen of your phone and look at that um, because if you look at the screen it you feel as a viewer as if someone is not looking you in the eye so always look at the camera and never look at the screen it's a little bit takes a little bit of practice but you'll, you'll get the hang of it and then one thing that you could do if you use a phone uh, is to use an external microphone um, for microphones I can uh, always recommend Rode, Rode microphones, R-O-D-E.com, I think, Rode. The O has a slash through it, so I think it's just like uh, 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 Hagen-Dazs ice cream. They just want to be fancy. So Rode microphones, yeah, it's R-O-D-E dot uh, They've got a couple of good microphones that you can use for cell phones. Of course, a lot of the current cell phones don't have uh, a head, head, headphone jack anymore. Mine has, because that's very important for me. But even if you only have a like a, a mini port, like the Apple one or a USB-C port, there are always some converters. But make sure that you check with the sell- seller. Um, if if the, the microphone, the Rode microphone, is compatible with that interface, because sometimes your phone will not rec- recognize it. But the Rode, fo- Rode microphones are very good and very affordable and super reliable. That's what you want to have when you do this. If you have any other questions, feel free to ask me in the comments uh, or send me a message on Patreon if you are a patron. Um, you know where to find me. Um, but that's it for this episode of my weekly show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your time. Stay safe, stay healthy and uh, try to look around and see how you can help uh, help your your, your fellow uh, um, your friends, your your uh, your family to deal with this you know these testing times. And uh, thank you for your support if you're a patron and if you're not, check out patreon.com slash father I will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Take care and God bless.